Everyone gets so quiet. Anticipating. Amen. It's good to be together this morning. Amen. I'm going to go into a time of prayer and, and have a time of worship this morning. And because in everything going on, we need the Lord and we need to know him and his voice more than ever. Amen. And so uh, let's let's pray, and then we'll get into a time of worship and the word this morning. <sighs> and there we go. We're straight. Good morning, everyone online. And I think the sound is going to be better today. All right. And all right. Let us know how it sounds. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are that you never change. God, we can't always even see you, but in faith we know that you are, are always on the throne, that God... Um, that even as we've we've seen the song, you know, even when we can't see you, you're moving. It's true. So, Father, we ask that you would come this morning. Help us to hear you more, to see you more, to experience you more. God, to know your presence uh, more and more each day. Father, um, we pray a blessing upon our service this morning. That we, and a blessing means we want to know your presence. We want you to come and minister to us. God, bring healing where healing is needed. Bring encouragement where we have discouragement. God, bring hope where we feel hopeless. Um, we, we just are crying out for that in Jesus' name this morning. As we would sing songs to worship you, we pray that they would affect us as well. That we want to bring you the worship that you do, but we also want to declare in the Spirit that you are God. There is no other. Um, and that we are uh, just committed to following you. Father, even in the services, we have communion. Um, this morning, we pray that we would be able to enter into that kind of communion with you later in the service and communion with each other with, the, with, each other with the saints, God. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
you turned into wine. Oh, water, you turned into wine. So open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like. Into the darkness we shine. And into the darkness we shine. And out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our God, our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our God. And if our God is for us, then what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our, if our God is for us, and if our God is for us, then what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then what could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our There is an endless song 
echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring, and though the storms may come, I am holding on to the rock I cling. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. I will lift my eyes in the darkness night, for I know my Savior lives. And I will walk with you, you you see me through, and sing the song you give. How can I keep? From singing your praise How can I ever say enough How amazing is your love How can I keep from shouting your name I know I am loved And it makes my heart want to sing I can sing in the troubled times, sing when I win. I can sing when I lose my step and fall down again. I can sing cause you pick me up and sing when you're there. I can sing cause you hear me Lord when I call to you in prayer. I can sing with my last breath, sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around the throne. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it may... How can I keep singing? How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart. I am loved by the King, and it makes my, I am loved. I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing.
continue in our, our worship, we're going to really want to get our hearts prepared for communion. As we, as we continue these next couple songs, we're going to sing and worship too. We're talking about that we're healed by his stripes. That we have life in his name and his, through his blood that we're washed and clean. Take this time as we worship and we sing and, and even celebrate his goodness and, and really think about the words. Let them become uh, even in prayers and, and uh, this time where you just spend in fellowship with God, realizing that it's by his stripes we're healed. By his nail-pierced hands we're free. The power of sin in our lives is broken, not because we did the 12 steps. The power of sin is broken in our lives because of Jesus Christ. His blood shed for us. It's, it's by faith through grace, grace through faith that we are saved. It's not the things that we can do. And, and yes, he calls us to follow him and to deny and walk away from ungodliness, but it's by his power. So as we continue worship, prepare your hearts. And after we, we sing the last two songs, we'll pass out the elements just immediately and to pass them out. We'll have a time of communion together. So at home, too, as you're doing that. And get your elements ready too. By his stripes we are healed, by his nail pierced hands we're free. By his blood, we're washed clean. Now we have the victory. The power of sin is broken. Jesus overcame it all. He has won our freedom. Jesus has won. Hallelujah. 
He's seated in majesty. He is the risen king. Amen. Father, as the elders and ushers begin to pass out the elements, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them. God, and help us to understand the sacrifice that you made, the broken body that Jesus went through for us, his blood shed at Calvary, that we might have full forgiveness of sins, that the temple veil would be rent in two from top to bottom. We would begin to, we'd be able to have access to the throne room of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. God, that at that cross, at that cross, you showed your love. You poured your love out in such an amazing way, God, because of the, the blood of Jesus that ran down. God, red blood that made my sins white as snow. Removed from me as far as the east is from the west. Chosen to be remembered no longer by you, God. Because of what you did. You have won the victory. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.
Fulfilled the law. You canceled the sin and claims against our lives by going to the cross. You endured the most horrific beatings and scourgings because you loved us. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you cried. You poured your heart out to your father saying, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And you willingly endured the cross for us. This morning, we want to fully receive the sacrifice that you made by asking you, God, God, forgive my sin. Forgive my trespasses against you. Restore to me a right relationship with you. Help me to recognize my wayward heart and ways at times and come fully into the grace of God. As you have the bread, take the bread. Jesus, he gave thanks for the bread the night that he was betrayed, telling us that it was representing his body that was about to be broken for us. Jesus, thank you that you allowed yourself to be broken for our sin and for our healing. Let's take the bread together. The scriptures teach us that in, in the same manner, he, he took the cup of wine and and he, and he explained to the disciples that this was the blood of a new covenant. And they understood covenants. They had, they had lived under the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. 
He says, this is a new covenant in my blood. I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to fulfill the old covenants in my blood. I'm making a way for you to come directly to the Father. Sins completely forgiven, not just set aside, but forgiven. For that, Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to make a sacrifice. You sacrificed everything for us. Thank you for what you did for us. And we receive your blood as, and as, as a symbol. We receive this cup as a symbol of the blood that was shed on the cross for us. Let's drink the ju juice together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Tanner, would you do a quick search? We're going to play this. I just want, we're going we're gonna to sing a song. Um, it's called Battle Belongs, Phil Wickham. Do it on, you already got it? No, on YouTube. YouTube. We're going to let, we're going to sing this. We're going to begin to do this. It's the, 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 the lyrics say, when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. The chorus says, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. He's, he's, he's good, he's quick. As long as it's not the battle belongs to the Lord, that's going to mess everything. That's a great song, too. But it's not quite what I'm looking for. That is it. There's even going to be some lyrics. So let's, let's declare this and understand that the battle is not happening in elections. The battle is not happening with COVID. The battle is not happening in your finances. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Let's play that nice and loud, too. Thank you, Jesus. All I see is the battle. You see my victory.
Good morning, Journey Church. How y'all doing? <laughs> I can say with confidence that that song, I think, was meant for some of us this morning, being that I sometimes and lately have been feeling a little defeated and having to remember that God is our defender. <laughs> so thanks, Rob, for that. <laughs> uh, well, just a couple announcements for you guys. I need to bring out my handy-dandy iPhone for this one. You guys hold on to your seats. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> All right. So we are going to be starting a couple new women's groups. And so this is an invitation from Susan Stoppenbrink. So I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. This is coming directly from her. And it says, are these the surveys, by the way, Joe? Awesome. Okay. We are excited to announce two midweek opportunities for the women of the Journey Church to meet together, one in person here in the sanctuary during the day on a weekday, and another via Zoom from the comfort of your home on a weekday evening. We will be reading a very inspiring and powerful book together entitled, Your Scars Are Beautiful to God, that will draw us closer to Jesus and to each other. All of us carry scars from simply living life with its challenges, whether from loss of relationship, job, health, or even the scar of offense from an unkind act or word toward us. 
No matter what the source of the wound that left a scar, the source of our healing is found in Jesus. His word and in a loving, understanding, accepting, and nurturing community where we can develop authentic relationships that build us into the beautiful, godly women we all desire to be. Please complete the survey and turn it in to us by October 25th to help us make a place for you in one of these group meetings. I look forward to growing together with you, your sister in Messiah, Susa, Susan Stoppenbrink. So we're going to be passing around these surveys for the women, and if you are interested in joining either the in-person meeting or the Zoom meeting, just go ahead and fill out that survey, and then um, I believe you can just drop it in the tithe and offering boxes at the back of the room, um, or turn it in to myself or Pastor Rob, and we'll make sure to connect with you about those women's groups. So that's that. And then, wait for it. Um, the only other thing that I have for you guys is we're going to go right into our tithes and offerings. And I wanted to read a story to you. This I just thought was kind of an encouraging story for us as we think about tithing and offering and how God is so faithful. Um, he tells us to, he says, you know, test me in this. And so this is the story. It's titled Danny Thomas, I Got Carried Away. <laughs> The late Danny Thomas lost his life savings of $600 at a time when he was out of work. He and his wife, Rosie, had a baby on the way, and they needed money. Danny worked at part-time part jobs so Rosie could buy groceries. He also borrowed money from friends. It was a tough time in his life. A week before the baby was born, Danny had the grand total of $7.85 to his name. What would he do? My despair led me to my first exposure to the powers of faith, Danny would later recall. On Sunday morning, Danny went to church. When the offering plate was passed, he put in his usual $1, but something unexpected happened that day. A special missions offering was taken. The priest explained where the mission offering would go, and Danny felt he had to give something. I got carried away, he said, and ended up giving my $7. He had given away all his money that Sunday. When in the world, oh, what in the world had he done? He walked up to the altar rail, got on his knees, and prayed aloud. Look, I've given my last seven bucks, he prayed. I need it back tenfold because I got a kid on the way, and I have to pay the hospital bill. He went home with the mere 85 cents in his pocket, all the money he had in the world. You won't believe this, Danny Thomas later wrote. But the next morning, the phone rang in the rooming house hall. It was a job offer. He was offered a part in a commercial. The job wasn't much, but the pay was good, $75. I literally dropped the telephone receiver, Danny remembered. First, I whooped with joy. Then an eerie feeling came over me. He remembered what he had prayed at church the day before. The $75 fee, he said, unheard of for me at that time, was almost exactly 10 times the amount of money I had donated to the church. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so I, I think it's encouraging to hear these kind of stories where God is so faithful in exactly what he says he's going to do. He says that He, our cups will overflow when we give back to him. And so I just want us to be encouraged by that and know that when we are faithful to give to him, he is faithful to give back to us. So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings. 
Father, you are so good. I love how you work in such mysterious ways sometimes, Lord, in ways that we couldn't even fathom. God, we thank you that you are um, you are with us. God, you are um, supporting us. God, you are providing for us in every way possible. Lord, as I say so many times, God, it may not look like the ways that we think it should look like, but God, you are so good and faithful in making sure that your children are taken care of. And so, Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you have given this church, Lord, the ways that you do provide for us. The fact that we have a building that we can be inside, Lord, and, and worship you, God, and know that you are our defender. Lord, what else could we want? So, Father, we surrender all to you, God. We ask that whatever is given in this tithe and offering, Lord, that you would multiply it tenfold, God, that it would give back to your kingdom ultimately, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. is uh, been a, an eventful week in the United States. We had a, an interesting debate. And, uh, and now our president is, is uh, got COVID. So we need to be praying uh, for him. And, um, and really anyone, anyone who has COVID, we should be praying for them. Um, please do not let, let us know let us not be like what I've been seeing just a, a little bit online that people are happy that he's got COVID. Um, but, you know, we have the same abilities in us because we're fallen. We get angry. We give into that. So if it goes the other way and there's somebody that we don't like, their policies, let us not be like that. Let us let us be like Jesus. Let's pray. And um, I've really appreciated um you know, those on, in a sense, the other side of the aisle who have has said, hey, we are not, we're, we, you know, we're not going to say anything negative. We're not, we're, we're going to do, that's what all of us should be doing. And uh, so that's uh, what we want to do. But let's, let's even take a moment to pray. And if, if it's kind of weird here, you can turn down the main or the, uh, this mic in the sanctuary on the normal one. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for our president, God, that you would touch him. 
that you would bring healing to him. God, that you would use him um, the way you want to use him. Lord, I pray that you'd use him to bring people back to you. God, to um, bring this nation to you. That's our prayer. God, we want to see um, people drawn to you. God, um, people living in righteousness. Lord, we want to see um, babies protected, life protected. God, there's a lot of policies that really are just policies that we either like or don't like, but there are things that you are for and you are for life. God, you want us to be for life. You want us to be a people um, for Israel. Blessed is anyone who prays for the peace of Israel. So, God, um, we want to do these things. We want to see these things as in our nation. We pray for healing for our, our president and ask that your will be done in this nation, God, um, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, I want to... I want to read a quick letter from James Dobson. Um, some of you have already heard this, read this. And um, not that one. I hope it didn't get closed out. Apologies, it got closed out. Oops, but I will get it right back. James Dobson, if you don't know him, he has been a pillar in the Christian faith, a, a, a voice for families, godly families, righteousness. Um, he's a psychologist, but he has done a, a lot of things. He's been, um, he spent many years working uh, against um, pornography and sex trafficking. He was part of a, of a board that said it was really the hardest time in his life that he had to sit and watch uh, part of a federal government board about pornography, and he had to actually watch um, pornography and sex trafficking videos to, to, to understand what was out there and happening. And he's been a voice for family against sex trafficking, against pornography. Um, just a great voice. Um, as far as I know, there's never been any accusations against him. He's just been a great man. And he wrote a letter. And uh, so I'm just going to read it because it's election time. And this is an open letter. Uh, from James Dobson. He was the founder of Focus on the Family. Uh, he's still on, on the air and he's doing uh, ministry. And I, th I think he's 80 something. Does anyone know? He's, uh, he's getting up there and he is just sharp and has a great voice. So here it is. This will be my final letter to 800,000 people before Americans cast their ballots on November 3rd. It's a breathtaking moment in the history of the United States. Perhaps I'll be permitted to repeat a brief comment I made in my August letter because of its relevance today. Many political commentators have stated that this election is the most significant since 1864 when Abraham Lincoln vied for a second term against Democratic nominee George McClellan. The future of our beloved nation hung in the balance that year. If Lincoln had lost, the Civil War would have ended precipitously and the wretched evils of slavery would have remained legal in the Confederate States and perhaps even in the North. Had Lincoln been defeated, the Union would have been torn asunder. Thank God Mr. Lincoln won, even though it cost him his life. Now we are approaching another presidential election that carries enormous implications for the stability of our democratic system of government. Indeed, Newt Gingrich said that what we are facing now might bring an end to civilization as we have known it. That's a powerful statement coming from someone like Newt Gingrich. 
He may have been referring to a possible revolution. Regardless, I believe his grave concern for our nation is valid. For centuries, America has stood as a shining light for liberty and freedom in our nation and around the globe. If we abandon our founding core values, the world would suffer for it. The binary choice before us is that stark. How will Americans and how will you decide who to vote for as chief executive officer? I've heard from dozens of friends and acquaintances in recent weeks who tell me they will base their decisions solely on a candidate's rhetoric, tone, style, or likability. Does that describe your thinking process? Just now, as I was about to react to that idea, my wife Shirley brought an email that she had received a few minutes before from a friend. It quoted an anonymous statement that gets to the heart of the issue as follows. This is not a junior high or high school popularity personality contest. I'm not voting for the person. I'm voting for the platform. I'm voting for the Second Amendment. I'm voting for the next Supreme Court justice. I'm voting for the Electoral College. I'm voting for the republic in which we live. I'm voting for the police and law and order. I'm voting for the military and the veterans who fought and died for this country. I'm voting for the flag that is often missing from public events. I'm voting for the right to speak my opinion and not be censored for it. I'm voting for secure borders. I'm voting for the right to praise God without fear. I'm voting for every unborn soul that is at risk of being aborted. I'm voting for freedom and the American dream. I'm voting for good and against evil. I'm not just voting for one person. James Dobson goes on. That, that was from a, an, another letter. James Dobson uh, says, I couldn't have said it better, although I want to add the, to the writer's list. I'm also voting for candidates who will exercise sound leadership internationally. I'm voting for those who will support Israel. I'm voting for those who will protect children from leftist curricula. I'm voting for the nation's fiscal integrity. I'm voting for parental rights. I'm voting for school choice and home education. I'm voting for freedom in the suburbs. I'm voting for little sisters of the poor and the Christian organization. I'm voting for racial unity. I'm voting to support in God we trust and school prayer. I'm voting for freedom of conscience for physicians and other professionals. I'm voting for marriage. I'm voting for life in all its dimensions. I am voting against euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide. I'm voting for wisdom in handling the pandemic. I am voting for protection for the church from oppressive politicians. One final thought. With all respect, this election isn't about you. It certainly isn't about me. It is about our kids and our grandkids. It is about those who are yet to come if they are allowed to live. This vote has awesome implications for future generations and the nation we love. It is about our Constitution and the immutable, God-given rights it protects. It is about values and truth and greatness and hope. That is why the notion of choosing a president based on frivolous personality characteristics is so unfortunate. In summary, this election is for all the marbles, the presidency, the House of Representatives, the Senate, and the Supreme Court. Together they set the agenda for this country. If you love America and don't want it to be fundamentally transformed, it is time to do three things. Pray, like never before, that God will spare this great nation from tyranny and oppression of religious liberty. Two, volunteer to help your candidates. And three, vote for the candidates who will best uphold your values and your convictions. Amen. I can.
I can get that. It's it's online if you have the internet. Just type in open letter from James Dobson 2020. Open letter, because he wrote it as an open letter. Um, notice he didn't say who he's voting for. See, because he, he has a platform. And as, as, as churches, 501c3 organizations, we can, we can talk all we want about what we believe and to vote about our values and our beliefs. He didn't say who he's voting for. If you can't figure it out, talk to somebody. <laughs> but it was a really good letter. Amen. Amen. Um, hey, the, the nation is on the line. The nation is on the line. Um, th this week as I was thinking about it and um, I, I, I thought I, I want to have a message today uh, and I was going to call it the great debate. And so as I go into my study time, because I, I was even going to advertise it out there, the great debate and see if we had anyone show up, um, talk about the great debate. But as I, as I, and I knew where I was going, but as I read the scriptures, I realized um, I needed to really widen it, and you'll know in a minute now. So if I have a title from a message this morning, uh, the new title would be Debates, Discussions, Demonstrations, and Disobedience. Okay? I uh, just did a D thing. I had a whole bunch of other words in there, and my, my title at one point was like nine or ten words, and that's just not, not a good thing to have that long of a title, so I just kind of trimmed it down. Um, but I'm not going to be talking about political debates, discussions, demonstrations, and disobedience. I'm going to talk about uh, what the Bible says about these things. And, um, and you know, we did have a debate this week, and, um, yeah, I won't talk about that. Um, but what I want to talk about is our approach to God and His Word and how we as believers uh, need to live um, and not just in light of this election, how we just need to live all the time. Um, it, it should never change. As believers, we shouldn't have this big event that says, hey, you know, right now we need to do this. Really, as, as, as believers, we should just be consistent in our lives, in our morality, um, in our love for one another, in following Jesus. Now, if this uh, time of what's been happening this year, uh, 2020, um, man, I did not see this in January. You know, we preached a message at the beginning of the year called 2020 Vision, having vision for the, for the year. It did not include my mother going into the hospital for a couple of months and then dying and COVID and lockdowns and shutdowns and riots and um, worrying about whether I'm a racist. I never worried about that before. I started wondering. Um, economies beginning to crash, and I, and I tell you, my opinion we haven't even seen the economy crash. That is still coming. So I want to encourage you, be ready. Because there's a good chance that everything that's happened this year is going to be behind the curve a little bit. Um, people who've lost their businesses, people are still receiving benefits from the government's extra uh, unemployment. Those things, I believe, will they will turn off. And, and so the economic, I think we're going to feel that a little bit later. And so be ready. And, uh, and we, we wouldn't have known that these things were, were going to be happening and all things that uh, I just didn't think we'd see, you know, quite in our lifetime. Um, there has been some other really crazy times in our nation of riots, um, of dissensions, of, of uh, disagreements. Um, I wasn't around in the late 60s, but I know that was a very uh, volatile time. And some of you, you know, remember that, uh, lived through that. 
obviously in, in other times, um, even, you know, the, the Vietnam was a terrible time in this nation, um, pull, pulling apart, but, uh, boy, this is, this is uh, natural disasters as well as political disasters and, uh, and all about it. So the, the thing is, it doesn't matter what's happening in this nation. We have to serve Jesus. And as believers, we have to have faith that God is on the throne no matter what. That, that, that hasn't changed. I've said from uh, this pulpit so many times that if, uh, you know, before this year especially, that if at any given time, if I were to take one of you without you knowing it, pull you out of here and place you in the middle of a third world country, like this is now your new home, that many of you would think, I must have missed the rapture. Because the, the amount of oppression and the amount of uh, difficulties that people face in other countries, third world countries, um, is so foreign to us that we would have thought there was no God. I, I spent some time yesterday watching a video that I'd, I'd seen before, and I, it's one, one of those ads that when you're as a listening to some worship, and in the <laughs> In the middle of YouTube, is in the middle of a nice 20-minute set of worship, advertisements come on, and I hate that. Um, it's really getting to... Uh, so, um, but it came on, and I went ahead and watched it. It was like a 15-minute video about clean water. Um, I forget what the, the name of the, the company is, but it's a young man who is bringing clean water to Africa and, and countries like that, where um, millions and millions and millions of people don't have clean water they, they go to these wells and they go to rivers and the, and they and they pull up a, a bucket of water and you can actually see worms and things swimming in the water and that's what they drink and they have to carry that water in in big tubs you know sometimes miles because there's no water where these people live okay some of you have been on a missions trip to see that i can't even fathom that this morning, I'm taking a shower. I brush my teeth in the shower, which is a huge waste of water, right? But I just love to let that water just run off of me as I brush my teeth. Oh, it's great. Nice two minutes of just... That is a ton of water I waste. I don't think a thing about it. I turn on that water, and it's clean, and it's hot, and I love it. I've never had to bathe in worm-infested water, except maybe camping once or twice. Imagine camping rough camping every day of your life. See, that's what people go through in this world. That's, that's some suffering, you know? So, um, we, we are going through some, some times now. Other countries have already gone through crazy times like this. The world is also, you know, going through some crazy times, lockdowns and things. We don't know what the future holds. As we know the saying, it's kind of a fun saying, but we know who holds the future. So, so guys, do not put your faith in an election. Put your faith in Jesus. Pray for the election. Do everything you can, but don't put your faith in an election. Don't put your faith in a nation. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I never thought I could see potentially see the fall of a nation, this nation, actually see it potentially happening like really fast. That's been in my mind like, wow, is this nation over? Is it going to be fundamentally changed? It might, it might be. But but let's not be uh, those who put our, our faith in, a, in an election or nation, but we need to come even more to faith. In that, 
as we kind of, you know, it was kind of a segue, a long segue into the message, but I, I did want to talk about, um, you know, the, these issues and they will help us, I believe in our, in our walk with the Lord, um, as Christians here in this nation. And, and again, I started out with thinking about debates, um, and, and there was some powerful people in the Bible, notable people who, who kind of debated with God. Not all of them debated. Some had discussions. Um, that's why I changed some of those things because they weren't all debates. But there are actually people who, who stood before God and basically debated God. Um, and, and, and so I want to talk about that. Um, and, and really in this, in this idea, and we might, I might hit, hit a few more of these in, in future times about debates even in Christianity because we need to be ready when somebody asks us what we believe and, and why, why we believe what we believe. Um, there's a lot of topics uh, outside of Christianity or, or the, that we, in, we believe in Christianity and others believe something different. But even within Christianity, within differing do- denominations, there's some huge doctrinal differences and debated things that, that happen um, you know, still today, there's a lot of debates between Christians and secularists, uh, between evangelical Christians and religious groups that call themselves Christians that we would think that might, they might be cults. Lots of things. You've had people knock on your door and they wanted to debate you about some things that their Bible says compared to what you think your Bible says. Um, so there's a lot of things to be debated. Um, there's, uh, here's a couple things that, that are debated frequently in the church. Predestination versus free will. Still debated. We don't know. People say, oh, I know. Okay, that's great. I'm glad you know. I think I know too. Uh, but the one person who does is God. Um, but which, which is it? Still being de- debated. We don't know. Is it, is it predestination? Is it free will? Is it a combination of both? Holy Spirit gifts, are they for today? You know, that is being debated still. There are some people say the Holy Spirit, any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that ended at the end of the apostles, and the Holy Spirit doesn't give any gifts to man. I think that's hogwash. I'm ready to debate it. But it's being debated among churches. Um, here's one that's interesting. Women in leadership. That's debated. Whether women should be in leadership positions. Um, here's some recent entries in the last few years that I don't think should even be debated. Um, gay marriage. That's being debated in the church. Pro-life versus pro-choice. Now that, one, that one's really shocking that there are churches who teach that abortion is, is right. Now, I believe that women have choice. I just think they should make the choice a little bit earlier. Okay? You know, step on toes, whatever. Yeah, every, absolutely, women are valuable. You know, this is not, they, they, the, some people try to spin that whole issue like, you know, it's just a whole bunch of men who want to tell women what to do with their bodies. That is not it at all. We, we want life. That is actually uh, in the church being debated. That shocked me. Um, in the church, literal six-day creation. Some people say literal six-day creation. Some people say the gap theory. Some people that's that's you know, just a debate. We're we're talking about it. Of course, creation versus evolution used to be outside of the church. That's even coming back into the church. Um, inerrancy of the Bible. That is definitely uh, talked about outside of Christianity into Christianity. People think that the Bible is not true. We think it's true. Um, even fun things. Um, these are kind of less important, but I hear debates on this all the time. Traditional worship versus contemporary worship. You know, like, like God, does God have a favorite? You know, then I'd ask, well, what hymn is his favorite? Um, is Bill Johnson okay? So you don't even know who he is. But that's debated in churches. Is Bill Johnson, or, or is this church good? Uh, how about Rick Warren? You know, is he good, bad, of the devil? I've heard he's the Antichrist. Um, <laughs> 
Joel Osteen. We're debating him. I mean, we, we just debate everything, don't we? And uh, are Catholics really Christians? And I, I, I'm making light of this, but I tell you, if we got right into this, this room right here, there would be there'd be both sides. Well, no, I don't think they are. And I, you know, and I, here, here, here's my simple thought on that. Some, some Catholics are absolutely Christian, and some Catholics are absolutely not Christian. Just like some evangelicals are Christian, and some evangelicals are absolutely not Christian. Because Christian means Christ-like, followers of Jesus, saved by faith, you know, by grace. I know Catholics that are absolutely love Jesus and are saved. Absolutely. That's, that's my thing. But I mean, it's kind of fun. We like to debate everything. So we're not going to tackle any of those this morning. Uh, maybe some, some, some of those in the future services we'll, we'll talk about. We'll take a, we'll foray into some of those, uh, those waters. But um, I want to go in to talk about some of the debates and demonstrations, discussions that we find in the Bible this morning and, and see how they line up with us. And when I was going through this, I thought, you know, are there people who actually kind of debate God? And I realized, absolutely. The Bible is, is full of it. Now, um, there, there, and there's some times where it really kind of looks like a debate. We're going to get into some of those. Um, definitely there's people who are willing to stand up to God and question him. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with questioning God. He is a big boy. He's a big boy. You know, you say that. You know what? You should be able to, you know, question authority. I don't mean me rude and disrespectful, but you can go to God and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, I think there's a better way. He'll humor you. He'll listen because he loves you. And then he'll explain, however he chooses to explain, why he's right and you're wrong. <laughs> That's kind of a fun one, huh? Um, it would be kind of fun to watch God debate somebody for real. When it, I, don't, I don't think he'd have to call anyone a duty head or, uh, you know, any other little things. He just, he wouldn't have to do it. Um, and, and we will see a little bit of, of what God looks like and what, what he does say when people kind of enter into some, some discussions. Um, because of God's grace, his mercy, his loving kindness, and, and even perhaps his sense of humor, God has from time to time entered into debate with man. And I, I, that sense of humor, you know me, that's, that's got, I think there's got to be part of it. That's a sense of humor because I, I don't know why he wouldn't just look at us and say, I refuse to have a battle with, of wits with an unarmed man. <laughs> you know, we, we, we know nothing compared to him, and yet we think we do, don't we? You know, so we're going to talk about the Bible, and then we're going to then I'm going to step on all of our toes and see how we debate God, how we discuss things with God, uh, how we make our own demonstrations against what we think God should be doing, and and ultimately sometimes we just enter into disobedience or dissension uh, with, with God. Um, and just to talk a little bit, and, and, and so I. I uh, I was going through the scriptures, I, you know, and I was just kind of flipping pages. I didn't get to read the whole Bible in, in this week. It was kind of too much. Um, but I just started kind of flipping, going, okay, let's look at some of these conversations. And really at the beginning, um, I'm not going to go through the whole Bible, but at the beginning I'm like, God would say things and people would say, okay. He's pretty, pretty obedient most of the time. Uh, at least the people were listening to his voice, you know. Noah, I didn't see him arguing a whole lot. Hey, Noah, we're going to flood the earth. You're going to build an ark. 
He did. And, and he listened and, and he spared the human race. Obviously, there were people in disobedience to God, and that's why that happened. We go a little bit further, though, and we, and we see Abraham. And Abraham has, uh, for me, one of the first uh, bigger uh, debates, but it's really not a, not a debate. But he, he comes against God when God is about to go and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is important for us to know, that, that, there, that you know, God is going to go in and judge the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham stands between Sodom and God and says, hey, wait, before you do that, would you destroy the whole city if there was a hundred righteous there? And he starts having this conversation with God. And that's powerful for us because we need to know that we can go to God and say, hey, God, I know what you're saying, but what about? Well, well Abraham's argument was righteous. It was good. And he was saying, would you destroy the righteous? And, and he has this conversation back and forth with God. Well, obviously, God knows how many righteous are in the, in the city. But, but he's having this great conversation and we can go to God with questions like, Hey, what about this? What about this? And, and God answers him. No, for the sake of a hundred, for the sake of 50, for the sake of 10, I won't destroy the city. And, and Abraham is, that's bold. That's bold. But we can go to God and be bold and say, Hey God, what about, and let him have the conversation back with us. It's powerful because we'll learn something from him. We'll see his heart of compassion. And he will help to make uh, things clear. Have you ever talked to somebody who, who just knows how to clarify subjects? Maybe they're a good debater, but they know how to clarify subjects. And you went to them with, a, with something you, you weren't in agreement with. And they, they just explained in such a way that you went, oh, you know what that ever happened to That's happened to me. And sometimes it's really a bummer because there's times I've gone, I'm like, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to, you know, show, show, you know, let this person see what, what's really going on. And, and they just, they presented something they had more wisdom than me. And I went, Oh, I get it. No, that that's us with God. We're going to go to him. He's not going to belittle us, but he's going to say, he's going to listen. He's going to let, no, let me help you understand a little bit better. So, so we, we go through the, the, the Bible and a little bit later, and we, we're, there's other, other people, but um, Moses really jumped out because if there was somebody who was really like, in disagreement with God at the beginning is Moses. You know, God, God came and talked to you, says, Hey, this is what's going to happen. And you're going to, you're going to lead the people, uh, out, out of Egypt. And, and he, God tells him all of these things. And Moses goes, yeah, but I don't think I'm your guy. And, and he tries to argue with God. He says, you know, he says, well, yeah, what, but what would I, what would I tell him? I mean, what am I going to say? And, and the Lord's answer is awesome. He, he, and I, we preached this when we went through the book of Genesis. Um, he doesn't, you know, flatter him and say, oh, Moses, you're so amazing. You can do a great job. He simply looked at Moses and says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And, and really, it doesn't give Moses a leg to stand on. Yeah, but I don't think I can do it. But God says, but I'll be with you. And yet he argues more. You know, not me. Send somebody else. Um, interesting that this is the beginning that, that where we begin to see that at times... God has a plan, but because of his love, mercy, grace, sovereignty, everything, that he will actually say, okay, have it your way. And, and people, well, that doesn't sound scriptural, except it happens, God, it wasn't God's plan, his perfect plan to send Moses as an Aaron, but Moses talked to him enough and finally says, God says, okay, I'll give you Aaron. 
that ended up not being a great thing. Who made the golden calf when Moses was up on the hill? Aaron, right? Um, and so, so we can go to, go to him. And if we rebel enough, if we talk enough, sometimes God says, okay, have it your way. First Samuel cha- uh, chapter eight, if, if you're taking notes, write that down. Um, a- after, you know, a, gr- a great while later, we, we went through um, the time of the judges. They've already come, the, the people of Israel have already gone into the promised land. They're settling in. Life is still not easy. Um, you know, in case you think that just that, that someday uh, here on this earth that you will get to enter into your promised land and everything is going to be good, uh, just read the Bible. This just doesn't happen. Don't don't think that January first, twenty twenty one, is like everything from twenty twenty is over. I've been you know kind of getting that feeling. Like I just can't wait to get to January you know first. It's all going to end. I'm like, yeah, maybe November fourth, but not January first. Um, they had entered the promised land and life was still tough. They had their judges. God would raise up a judge, and some of those judges were knuckleheads. I mean, come on, Samson. Um, he, you know, he didn't, he was disobedient to a lot of the things of God. Um, and so the people, are, the people of Israel led by the judges living in their clans, they, uh, the prophet Samuel dies and they, and they, or I'm sorry. Um, and they demand a king in, in uh, Samuel chapter eight. So now it came to pass when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judge, judges over Israel. And he talks about their sons. Um, Verse 5, look, you are old. Isn't that nice? Someday you guys would come up to me and say, look, Pastor Rob, you're old. <laughs> you're done. We want a new king. And he um, says, look, you're old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the, all the nations. Now God has said, I'm your king. God had told the people, I am your king. You don't need a king. And the people are saying, we want a king. And, and the Lord tried to explain to them, you think you want this, but if you have it, he tells them what's going to happen. You're going to go out. You're, you're going to you're going to you know have somebody ruling over you. They're going to take your 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 kids. They're going to make them work in the palace. All these things. This is not what you want. And he actually explained these things to him. They says, "No, we want a king." And so God says, "Okay, you can have it. You have a king." It it it, it blows my mind. But you see the love and the mercy and. And at times, as, as parents, I've done that with my kids. When they, hey, we, I, we really want this. No, you don't. Yeah, Dad, I want to I wanna jump off the roof. No, you don't. Okay, go for it. Bang! Ah! Right? God's the same way with us. And, and, and we say, we want a king. So, so we see this, this where the people begin to debate God. Hey, God, I know this is what you said, but here's my counterpoint. My counterpoint is, you know, all the other nations have a king and, and we want to look like them. And, you know, we're kind of just, you know, which is not going real well for us and go back and forth and finally, okay. Now God didn't lose the deb- debate. He seated, right? It's okay. Have it your way. Um, it, it, it's a lesson for us and we're going to tie all these lessons up as we go a little bit further. Um, before, before that, God had these wonderful discussions through Moses with his people. And we find that in the giving of the law where, where God said, listen, I'm going to tell you how to live your life. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. If you do these things, you'll live. Um, 
and and he goes and and, and he you know and uh, it's all over Leviticus and Deuteronomy both and and I was reading some specific things but any very first thing he says love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and you love the Lord your God love him and then he told us how to love him and he says don't go after other gods don't do this don't do this he wasn't trying to be a taskmaster but he was setting these things up saying this is how you're going to live it's also part of what he was saying was I don't want you to be like the other nations half of the laws or not but a portion of the laws were specifically so that Israel would look different from the nations around them. He says, I want you to live, be a peculiar people, be different. And he gives these things to them. In, in 11 and 12, there's some, some great little um, things that, that the Lord is saying through Moses. And one of the things is, and I think it's in 30. Boy, I hate this. I'll bring the Bible closer because I want to be on the mic. In, in, in Deuteronomy 12.30 it says, Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them. And these are the other people that are going to come into their land. Don't follow them. After, uh, after they are destroyed from before you that you, uh, that you would stop inquiring after, or that you would start inquiring after their gods. How did these nations serve their gods? Don't do it. If, if you follow after them, you're going to do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. If for every abomination the Lord which he hates, they have done. So he's telling them, don't, don't be like the world around you. And he gives these great, great things in the law in Deuteronomy saying, live like this. Don't live like that. And, and the whole rest of the Old Testament, so much of it is about the people going, nah, I don't think so. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. You know, I, I, you had some good suggestions, but... We're going to have some, some, we're going to make some hills. We're going to put some worship stuff up on the hills, not just in the sanctuary. And, uh, you know, this other group of people, they sacrifice their kids and that seems good to us too. You know, let's sacrifice our kids. And, and they just entered into all this stuff. They, God had a debate with it. He says, this is truth. This is life. Walk in it. And, and so many of the times the Old Testament, what we find is them going, not going to do it. I disagree with you. I'm going to dissent in your opinion, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, often they didn't debate it. They just disobeyed it. Sometimes they would try to, try to talk their way out of it. In Joshua, so the giving of the law, they, they're in, in the wilderness, and Joshua, um, at the end of his life, he, uh, he has this great thing where they read the law again, and he says to them, hey, choose you this day whom you will serve. Let it be the God of your fathers or the God of this land. As for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord, right? And, and, and they say, oh, no, we're going to serve God. And he even goes, he says, no, you're not. It's a great read in, in, in I think it's chapter 24. He says, no, you're not. You're just, you know, no, no, we're going we're gonna to serve God. Now, Joshua's more right than they were. The, the heart of rebellion is bound up in people. And, and we need to come back to him, come back to, to the, his scriptures, come back to his word to give us life. Um, and, and uh, you know, enter into discussions with God, but um, not so much debates. There, there's one. Well, let's go to Job chapter 38. Now, if, if you've never read the book of Job, very interesting uh, you know, book, uh, Job, a righteous man, 
he's got it all. I mean, he's just he's just got the blessed life. He's uh, loves God, prays for his kids, and um, he's wealthy. And in one day, he like loses everything. His 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 much of his property and his his sons and daughters. Every calamity happens, and people raid him. And and uh, and it's because Satan actually went before the Lord and said, "Hey, you know, you got this really good guy down there, Job, and." Have you considered him? And and uh, God had faith in him. And he says, you know, he loves you because you've blessed him. He loves you because you've blessed him. And the uh, Lord says, no, he loves me. You can do anything you want. Just don't don't hurt him. Don't kill him. And so so Satan does. And we see this, the whole thing is, is Job working through one of the most miserable times anyone could ever face. Losing his children, losing his wealth, but then his body boils and sores and and he's sitting in and his his friends come and try to comfort him and after a while they're like dude you must have sinned things are so bad for you that that sounds like a message some people preach today oh things are going bad for you you must have sinned well look at your life see if you've sinned if you have repent sometimes things go bad because you're in sin but with job that wasn't the case and so then job and him, they all start talking back well i love chapter 38 God sits and he listens to them debating one another. This happened because of this. And if you just repent and you've got pride and this and that, and they're doing point, counterpoint, you know, they're doing all this debating. And then God, and then, and then Job is going, you know, God just hates me and he's, he's afflicted me and he's done all these things. And he's, where is God? And in, in, in 38, he says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Ready to debate God? This is how it starts. You're going you're gonna to bring counsel. You have no knowledge. And then he starts saying things like, now he says, I love this, prepare yourself like a man. <laughs> prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer. Isn't this a great debate? I mean, I just, I just, this is what you want to have in a debate. You want to hear just, okay, I'm going to give you some questions and you're going to answer them and no interrupting each other. We don't name call. He goes, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who determined how big it was? You must know that. Who stretched out the line upon it? Those foundations of the earth, where are they fastened to? And he just begins to go, who, uh, when the morning stars sang, who, who laid the cornerstone when the morning saw, stars sang together? And he just starts talking about everything, everything in creation. And he just, it's a great point to, to help us to go, I don't know anything. You know, I mean, I mean, when it comes to the difference between me and God, I'm like, he created the universe I got an F trying to make a paper mache universe when I was in school. You know, I, I can't do anything. Compared to him, we're, we're, we're so below him in God. He's going, okay, you, you think you know it all? I'm going to talk to you a little bit. Get ready. You know, hang on. Any, any questions? But see, Job entered into this debate with God, and, and, and we can do that. Um, but then we want to listen to what God has to say. And you, I, I think that God's big enough that he'll, 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 he'll do that with you. I was going to have a second podium up here. Um, you know, if you want to talk to God about anything, 
he, he's big. There used to be some people who think, don't question God. Don't question God. If you can't question God, who can you question? You can question him. He is not afraid of your questions. And as a Christian, you shouldn't be afraid of somebody else questioning God either. We're not afraid. He's got all the answers. You know all these scientists who think they discovered things? Like, oh, they made something up? They just discovered what God did. You know? They discovered how fast God made light. Ooh. Whoopie-doo. It's like me looking down the, the road. Oh, there's a rock on the ground. I, so, so I found it. Whoopie. God created it. God created laws of physics and the second law of thermodynamics. Question God. Debate him. Hey, God, I think it's unfair that my parents got a divorce when I was young. Why'd you do that? People say, oh, don't question God like that. Why not? He'll answer if you let him. Hey, I don't understand why, why, why this happened. I don't know why. I, I don't understand why someone's dying. You got, people die. People get hurt. It's okay to go, God. I don't think that they should have. And listen to him. Listen to him more than the people who want to give you platitudes. Well, they died because God needed another angel. Hogwash. It's way bigger than that. God can tell you. God doesn't need another angel in heaven. You know, I'm sorry if that's something you've said. You know, we don't turn into angels. You know, we have a relationship with God. Here, here's an amazing thing. I was talking with uh, Mark Johnson recently, and uh, he'd had a vacation. He was supposed to be out here. They couldn't, they couldn't come out here because of timing. That's why we had to cancel his visit. But he had to go back early. And he had to do the funeral for his uh, niece, great niece. She was like 21 years old. And um, she, I mean, she, she died. And, and she had had about a year-long fight. I think, I, I believe it was cancer. Um, but it may have been something even more difficult and different than that. And um, he, he said, you know, I could go back. And, and, the, and the parents are already beginning to say, you know, you know, she was so young, she missed out on so much. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I said something so quick, I didn't even think about it. I said, Mark, she didn't miss out on anything. I said, she didn't miss out on anything. I said, she's in heaven. I mean, she didn't miss anything. Well, she, you know, she's not living down here on earth, but you think that this is better than heaven, you know? And, and he actually, I mean, he just, he was blessed by that. He went and used that in the funeral. He used that when he's talking to the parents. He says, listen, your daughter isn't missing out on anything. Now, you are missing out on her. And that's true. But your, your, your daughter's okay. She's in heaven. Now we just have to figure out how to live without her, right? Isn't that what death happens? When death, death comes, we have to figure out how to move on. You can question God, and he'll tell you. He'll talk to you. Even, even if it, you go with the route with Job where you're really just doing it, he'll say, okay. And I, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we question God, and we don't listen early enough. And so finally he's like, Stop. Your two minutes is up. It's my turn. Will you give him his two minutes? Will you give him his two minutes to let him tell you, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your peace. And, and, and entering into a relationship where, where you can see. Um, we are adults 
but we kind of are still like kids compared to God. And anyone who's raised kids, their kids come to them and say things like, Mommy, why can't we have ice cream every night for dinner? Right? And, and moms usually don't say, well, let's go ahead and do that. But they'll usually say, well, because it's, you know, ice cream's not good for you and it doesn't make you feel good after a while. And they go, man, ice cream makes me feel good. Doesn't ice cream make you feel good, right? Even as an adult, some of you are like, I'm lactose intolerant. It doesn't make me feel good. But a lot of us go, you know, yeah, ice cream makes me feel good. We're just like the kids. But we know that 10 bowls of ice cream doesn't make us feel good. We know that now. You know why you know that now? Because when you were younger, you tried to eat 10 bowls of ice cream. <laughs> and like a little kid doesn't get that. But, 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 but. And we go, yeah, I know, but I have a different plan for you. It includes carrots and broccoli. <laughs> and we go to God and say, hey, God, why can't I have that job? And he goes, because that job's not good for you. But, 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 I want that job. He knows. He goes, no, I got something different for you. We, we come to him, we have all these things. It's okay. Come to him. Debate him. Discuss is a better thing with him. But if you need to debate, if you're in that place, he's not afraid of a debate. He'll never back down. Um, what we don't want to enter into is that uh, the next one uh, that, that I'd use is Jonah. God tells Jonah to do something. He doesn't debate it. He doesn't discuss it. He just disobeys and dissents. Not me. I'm, nope, I'm gone. Now, you don't want to end up what happens, you know, I mean, Jonah doesn't go well for him. He, big storm, gets swallowed by a big fish, which must have not been a good day. <laughs> And, and God brings him back to the place and says, no, I've got a plan for you and I want you to walk in it. Sometimes I wish God would swallow me. I look at some of you guys and go, man, I wish God would have swallowed you with a fish too. And, and if you look back at your life, you'd say, man, I, yeah. You know, when I was 25, I made this decision. I wish God would have sent a big fish and swallowed me and put me where he wanted me because I've made nothing but bad choices. Hey, God's the redeemer. He can redeem those. Yeah, you should have made them different then, but he is the only one who can redeem every situation. But stop it. Stop the madness now. Stop running. Stop being the Jonah. Don't dissent. Don't just disobey him. Have the conversation with God and say, God, I don't even understand what you're asking me to do. Let him speak and then obey. Just go for it. So one of the things, I, when we talk about uh, protests in the United States and these things, um, there's nothing wrong with a demonstration or a protest. That's how things get done. And it's absolutely okay. In fact, Jesus protested all the time against what the, what the Sadducees and the Pharisees were doing. I mean, he even looked, did things that made it look like temper tantrums. Walking in and flipping over tables. I mean, we go, when is that ever okay? Well, Jesus knows when it's okay. And he did it. It's a demonstration. What is happening here is wrong. There's nothing wrong with a godly demonstration or a godly protest. Um, in Acts chapter uh, 15, we, we see a, an interesting um, dissension 
and discussion going on. And I love the King James Version because it actually does have a different word there. It said, you have better glasses. Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And that was within the church. Some Christian disciples were saying this, and they were, and, and, and so in verse 2 it says, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, I think that was rocking. I think it was powerful. It was heavy. I mean, you know, there was like some heated debate going on. They said no small dissension and dispute with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about the question. And, you know, when they did that, when the, I think they're in this debate with Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas are going, listen, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And they're going, yeah, you do, and you got to do all these things. And it says a big dissension and dispute came, and the Christians said, you know what? Go see the apostles. And inside what they were saying is, they'll set you straight. Guess what? They were wrong. Paul was actually right. And it took him demonstrating and debating for them to see it. Those things are powerful in the world. And they, they sometimes need to happen in the church. In love, in grace, being led by the Holy Spirit. Um. So let's enter into some discussions with God. Let's enter into some, some, some debates with God. Um, let's, let's enter into some, some demonstrations of our beliefs as Christians of what we think is right in a righteous and holy way. These things are wonderful, and we need to understand. There's a lot of Christians, and, and I could be on that side. I kind of tend to kind of lean towards the you know, passivity and things. But there's a time you stand up. We can stand up to God and let him teach us when stand up with God to the world demonstrate disobey the world obey God don't disobey God and uh, and and as the scriptures teach us in Deuteronomy if you do these things it'll go well with you let's not be afraid to to, to get a little bit a little bit deeper with God and uh, and challenge some things if you've got some questions anyone got any questions about with God like, hey, God, why about this? Am I the only one? I got them. I mean, sometimes they're just silly, but like, God, why'd you make mosquitoes? <laughs> but there's some bigger ones I, st I don't have answers to. I don't have answers to everything. I, I, I said, you know, I don't know. And, and some of you have cou I've counseled with, and you've asked me the, the hard questions. Hey, why did so-and-so die? And I'll say, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you because God needed another angel. I don't think that helps you. But what I will always say is, I don't know, but, but if you trust God, he'll walk you through it. And when you get to the end, you'll see why. Or at least you'll see some things of, of, of why. You, sometimes there's, you never get the full question, but you'll say, I, don't, I still don't know why that happened, but I saw how God used it in my life. And, and um, even though it was hard, um, I, I'm glad he did. I've, I've heard some uh, testimonies of people who went through horrendous things, and they actually have said things like, you know, I'm glad it happened because I know God in such a deeper way. And I go, God bless you, that's a lot of faith. I don't know, I could, some of those things, I don't know if I'd say I'm glad it happened, but I, I can say I'm glad I listened to God, and I'm glad I didn't check out 
and I'm, I'm in the long haul. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Um, God, we, we are uh, here, wounded, broken. We're young. We're immature. We think we know a lot, but compared to you, we know nothing. Um, sometimes I even think of with politicians, people have an idea. Even good men have an idea that they think will work for our nation, and other men have a different idea. It's not always an evil idea. It's just different. God, because we know in part, as, as Corinthians say, we, we, uh, we know in part, we prophesy in part. But someday, perfection will come and we'll know it all. And until then, Father, we need to rely on you. So we ask that you would come. Come into our debates. Come into our discussions. Uh, reveal yourself. Help us to be able to, to have a relationship with you that we feel comfortable, that we can talk to you um, about things. And then um, teach us to listen and wait on you and learn from you. As Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly at heart. Help us to learn from you and of you in, the, in this process. We thank you that you will walk us through to the other side, that you will teach us things that will blow our minds and you'll show us things that are so much better than, than what we think are our ways. And again, we also want to pray for this nation that uh, we would, as a nation, come to you, come back to you, come to righteousness. Um, guide us and guard us, Father. And, and, I, and we would pray that if, if judgment can be withheld, that you would withhold judgment and let uh, until the people can come back to you, Lord. Bless our days and our lives with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.